What's going on, coaches? Uh, excited me and my family are moving uh, this weekend. We're moving, heading down to Texas, getting all of our stuff into our new house down in McKinney. So uh, we're pretty busy at this time, but we are starting to record uh, new episodes again uh, to save up for later on in the year. So we're excited to get to do that, me and Coach Walls. Uh, Coach Walls, we've just put up his newest clinic that he spoke with uh, the California Coaches Association. He spoke with them, did a, a virtual clinic for them, and we put that up on our website. Again, that's under uh, runthepower.com, and that's on our RTP Premium site uh, under Talking Ball. So you guys can find it there. You can find anything else you need from us, from the podcast, the videos, uh, to RTP gear, all at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get My Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Alex Ribeiro. Coach Ribeiro is the head coach of the Rio Preto Weilers in São José do Rio Preto, Brazil. And I apologize, I'm sure I was way off in that pronunciation. Listen as we talk with Coach Ribeiro about his time spent studying football at Baylor, building a team from the ground up in Brazil, and his championship team's explosive offense and gritty defense. You can follow Coach Ribeiro on Twitter at X-A-N-D-A-O underscore R-I-B-E-I-R-O. Hope you guys enjoy. All 
I started back in 20, 2005. I was invited by a friend and uh, we founded this team in, in Minas Gerais, which is a state, a big state uh, in Brazil. And uh, coach, we had four guys when we started, you know, football was not uh, common at all uh, in Brazil. Like um, we didn't have much of the of the NFL uh, on TV, you know, it was very expensive to us to to watch it. So many guys, they were playing, but they didn't actually watch a game. So uh, actually, I played no pads football for um, four years, I guess. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so uh, our full pads game was only in 2011. So uh, from 2011 to 2013, I, I played tight end. Uh, we didn't have much information regarding football. We didn't know much of anything. So uh, I remember I, I retired, you know, I was about to get graduating college. So I was away from football from 2013 to 2015. And then I, I came back to the team and as a coach now. So uh, I coached the receivers for six months. And guys, you, you got to understand that football here is not like in America, you know, like um, athletes coach, you know, the most experienced ones, they, they are also coaches on the field. And uh, our offensive coordinator left. So I became an offensive coordinator like this, you know, with no information at all. It was just a, a, a leap of faith. <laughs> yeah. So it's a fun deal. Uh, so from 2015 to 2017, uh, I was kind of running the show, you know, like I said, not much information. Um, we didn't have a system, for example, we had plays. So in 2017, the team that, that we found, in, uh, they hired an American coach. And it happened that he played in the NFL as well. So he was an offensive lineman. And uh, he came and coached us. He was the head coach. And he was the, the first one who implemented the system. And his name is John Booker. So uh, from that point on, we had a system. I knew I started to, to really, really deep dive in, in football and kind of understand what was going on. Um, so 2017, I also met... Um, Coach Dave Wetzel from Baylor, they came to Brazil on a mission trip and uh, I texted them. I sent them an email because I wanted to go to America. I didn't have connections. It was pre-COVID, you know, so uh, pre-Twitter. Uh, so I, I right. sent them a, yeah. So I sent them a, a text and said, hey, uh, are you running any, running any camps soon, like in the near future? And someone from Baylor responded, and, and, and the lady said that actually the football crew would come to Brazil on a mission trip in four days. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to go there. So uh, back then, I was a halftime coach. I used to work in a car company, the Fiat company. Um, I, I came into my boss and asked her if I could go. And she said, I mean, you can, but... Um, it's not good for the company, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm taking the risk. So uh, <laughs> I, I bought the tickets, flew to uh, 
Maceió. It's a it's a, a city in the coast, very far from where I live. And uh, we met the Baylor crew. We had a great time together. I was uh, their English interpreter, one of them. So Coach Dave Duetso invited me to stay for a while in the United States if I wanted to. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is uh, for me. This is just got working, you know. Um, so two months later, I I got fired. You know, we were such, in a, such a huge, huge crisis in Brazil. So they let me go. Uh, my wife and I, we decided to, uh, you know, just sell everything and move to America. So we did. And I stayed with the Baylor guys the whole 2017 season. Wow. It was awesome. So I had pretty much free access to everything, you know, like uh, practices, meetings, um, strength and conditioning program. You know, it was like a, a whole football experience for three to four months. So, uh I also visited with a couple of high schools in Texas. I also visited um, a couple of universities in Mexico before coming back to Brazil. So uh, what happened was I found this team uh, in the city that I, I, I live now, and they wanted a head coach and needed one. Uh, I interviewed with the president and our ideas, they just matched. You know, I always wanted to uh, develop a team from the ground up and um, he needed that. So I came here and this is the team that I've been coaching since uh, 2018. Um, we had a pretty good, pretty good season. Back in 2018, we were a uh, runner up in championship, state championship. And in 2019, we won both uh, Division One state championship and Division Two nationals. So we were supposed to play uh, Division One nationals um, back in 2020, but it never happened. That's pretty much it. Well, Coach, that's a that's an awesome story, and and I'm extremely envious of you getting to to stay around, uh, especially at that time, some unbelievable football minds. Um, and even now, obviously, Baylor's doing, but in the past before these past eight or nine years Baylor was always terrible but the past you know eight to ten years they've been right it's unbelievable to see how much better they've gotten uh and so for you to get to be there for months and and have that experience uh, I'm jealous of you for that how did so when you talk about taking over this new team and, and building mm -hmm. it from the ground up what what age group is that is that um you know or, or how does that work is that a part of is it just guys that, that sign up? Do you go recruit? How does all that work? Okay, so let me paint you a picture of football in Brazil first. So Okay. So Brazil foot, Brazilian football is not professional. Um, are you familiar with club sport? Yes. I think like uh, soccer here, there's a lot of club sports. Right. So I would define as a club sport. It's not okay. professional. It's not amateur. It's kind of se se semi-professional. You know, some athletes get paid, some don't. There's no regulation to that. Hmm. So uh, we do have a national league, which means we, we have two divisions and each division, division one, division two, and we have 32 teams average playing for in each division. Uh, we do have state championships. 
And uh, the teams are organized pretty much um, with amateur tryouts. They come and we evaluate them. We teach them and, uh, the game of football, and then they start playing. Uh, so we do have two teams. The first one would be the elite team. That's how we call it. The second one would be the developmental team, which are the new guys uh, who want to play but did, don't necessarily know the rules or the techniques or the schemes. So uh, we do have two separate teams in order to teach and kind of feed. You know, the develop, developmental team would be uh, um, what supports the, the elite team, you know, in order to keep growing. Do those two teams practice against each other? And then, like, because I'm seeing it like a varsity and a junior varsity. Exactly. So I'm assuming you coach both of those teams, and so you're trying to develop the developmental team into, uh, you know, hopefully getting some of those guys to, to be on the uh, elite team, or, or how does that work? Yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% right. So we coach – the 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 guys the same way we run the same system with both ones um of course the lead team has more have more uh adjustments and and all but uh it's the same and what we try to do is take the best guys from the developed team developmental team but who are not necessarily ready and we play them like scouts in america you know so scout period they would come and join um, EDDs, we also allow them to come and kind of have some stimulus response work with the elite guys. And uh, that's pretty much what we do. Coach, I'm interested, you know, how much stuff did you kind of pull from Baylor? I mean, obviously, you know, been one of the, the most high powered offenses and one of the, you know, better programs. What are some things that you kind of took from them and, you know, obviously accelerated your coaching knowledge and then hopefully been able to implement it down in Brazil? Oh, wow. That's a great question, coach. And uh, when I got into Baylor, it was the first year uh, of coach rules there, who's now uh, coaching the Panthers. So uh, Baylor was not very good um, back in 2018. Uh, we, it was just after uh, the scandal, the sexual scandal that happened there. Uh, so coach rule took over after coach Bryles and, and coach rule was trying to develop the program. The good thing out of that is um, even though they were one and 11, it was really, really good to me, guys, to to see how a great coach uh, leads a, a program, you know, when they're losing. Because, uh, I mean, I, I cannot say that they were happy, you know, they were one and 11, but Coach Rule and the coaching staff, they were so uh, they were really, really trying, and they were inspiring the athletes. So uh, that was the biggest take for me, because prior to Baylor, I didn't have uh, good seasons as well. So I always thought that it was my fault. You know, uh, I I always felt responsible. So whenever I got into Baylor, I kind of understood and learned how to deal with adversities and sometimes even being the head coach some things are out of your control and you, you kind of have to understand that and, and not let it go but kind of forgive yourself for for some things that happen so that would be my biggest takeaway and uh, you know the second one just experience it itself you know 
I was able to spend uh, three days with the uh, equipment guys and operations, logistics. So it was really good to understand how they operate, like how they do laundry, how it's organized, how they, they pack everything uh, in the trucks, um, how they, they put together the, the helmets and uniforms and all of that. So it was such a good experience, you know, very, very fun experience. Um, like I said, the strength and conditioning program, like how they lift the loads, how many reps, how does it work, when, is it before practice, after practice, um, how do the red shirts, they lift, you know, and when, um, how early you have to get into the facility to get taped, um, how do you recover, you know, like, how do you do treatment, so I was also able to spend some time with them, and uh, regarding scheme and, 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 uh, and uh, techniques, I would say that um, the level of detail was really, really impressive. You know, like to watch uh, the, uh, their uh, meetings and the level of detail that they analyze and, and, and the breakdown is just amazing. So uh, I spent, when I was there, coaches, I spent... I would say three or four weeks with the offensive line. So uh, Coach DeLeoni was the offensive line coach back then. And Coach uh, Josh Cochran, he was a GA. And now he's coaching the offensive line at North Carolina. So, you know, obviously we're talking about all, all the, the cool things that you've got to do, you've got to be a part of. Um, you've talked about how Brazil is so far, um, you know, I don't want to say behind, but football is not as big of a deal as, as it is in the States. So, and, and I don't want you to toot your own horn or, or whatever, but how, how much further is a, is a team like yours compared to the vast majority of other teams that you guys play because you've, ha you've had that ability, not the ability you've, you've put in the work to go learn these things. Okay. So, um, the, te the team that I coached, like I said, uh, we won state championship uh, division one in Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is one of the, if not the biggest, one of the biggest states here. Um, so I would say that's the, the I would define our, our state as the most competitive one. So uh, we won last year and uh, the, the, five, the championship game was 35 nothing. So we were really proud of that. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, go a good game. Um, yeah. In the national, uh, we, we also um, we were also unbeaten until um, the championship game. We also won it. And, um, but, man, we were, I feel like we're doing such a good job. And the, the athletes, they, they, they play hard. And uh, back in 2019, our best year, I guess we, we scored – 600 or 700 points and, and suffered a hundred and something. Um, so we're really competitive, but when you go to division one, you, we also have coaches who, who went to the States, for example, or have American coaches or have good athletes. So I think that division one is a lot, com mo uh, a lot more competitive 
than the one that we played. So um, I'm excited to play. You know, it's going to definitely it's going to be harder. Coach, how close would you say, you know, I, I, I've, I've talked about it a couple of times. I know with Coach Harper, uh, you know, one of the things I'd kind of kicked around for a while was like, you know, hey, traveling to a place like Brazil where, you know, there's a big population. Um, you're going to have some some pretty athletic, you know, people that live in in that country because of, you know, soccer and a lot of the other sports. And they're tough because, I you know, I just thought of, you know, MMA and jujitsu and things like that. You know, right. I felt like there would be, you know, some some quote, diamonds in the rough. You know, how how close is it to where you might start to see, you know, some Brazilian players that are going to be, you know, recruited by some of the colleges in the, the states? I know. There's been some places in Europe. There's been, you know, players that have come from Nigeria and you're starting to see more and more, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, worldwide players. How close is it getting to Brazil kind of jumping into that next level of, of putting some of those players at that level? Right. So I agree with you 100 percent. There's a definitely talent here. Uh, we do have um, one player in the NFL right now. We do have one player in the CFL. So they were the first ones. Um I would say that there's a bunch of kids here who could play D1, but they don't necessarily have the platform to show it. So English, for example, would be a barrier for us. You know, we don't speak English um, so well as, as Europeans do, for example. So I guess that the teams, for example, on our team, we make a great effort to make sure the guys are taught in English as well. So we do have English courses available for them. So whenever they got the opportunity, they're ready, you know. So that would be the first barrier. Uh, the second one, I don't think uh, we have big guys as you guys have in America. So offensive line and, and defensive line are definitely smaller here uh, than the D1 guys. But uh, on the other hand, I would say that we do have very, very good um, receivers and DBs. I don't like the expression skill guys, you know, uh, offensive line are, are the, yeah, the me neither. Skill I like guy. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but anyway, receivers and DBs. Uh, so I think that we are close to that as soon as we have the platform and we provide them, um, whatever they need to, to, to be coached there. The second thing would be for me, coach, the level of coaching, you know, not many teams here have, uh, I wouldn't say the knowledge, but I would say um, the mentality, you know, that is required for someone to play in D1. So I guess the level of coaching has to raise the bar as well in order to the athletes succeed, you know, so. I guess I'm not sure if I answered your question, but that's that that's it. Coach, I, I love the answer, and, and you talked about maybe not having uh, as big of kids for the offensive line, defensive line, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also kind of curious. Obviously, I would assume soccer, huge sport there, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, football there, um, and, and I'm, I'm not sure about basketball, but is there, is there many sports other than, uh, you know, American football that the few big kids can play? I'm assuming, you know, the, the, bigger heavier weight kids aren't playing basketball aren't playing soccer uh, I know I know football hasn't become a a huge sport yet maybe in Brazil but I would assume it's it's one of the few sports that the big kids that you guys do have it's it's a place that they can actually play and really excel okay so uh yeah you're right I think that 
we do have athletic big kids here because uh like soccer for example you have to move well you know in order to play and everyone plays soccer uh pretty much everyone so uh we do have athletic kids here but the platform uh is really different from american guys for example you have many sports in high school and uh to get in a scholarship in college um if you excel in high school you can get a, a pretty good education you know and, and not pay anything in brazil they don't value that you know so um we don't have like sports in school you know it's not so big as in america we don't have like multi uh, sport athletes like you guys do just because um It's not our reality, you, you know, we play sports because we love it, but not the, I would say that the model, you know, of Brazilian sports are not very um, <laughs> smart, I would say. So whenever us Brazilians see you guys succeed in the Olympic Games, for example, we understand why, you know, I've been there, I've seen uh, Brazilians there in the track team and the soccer team, women's team, I mean, So we had Brazilians playing soccer and competing in track uh, in the United States, in Baylor, but they're not competing here, you know, because there's no investment. So um, it's a, a different platform. And the athletes that I get most of the time, they, they played something in the past, like in an amateur level that didn't lead them to anywhere you know so they became uh football players because they love they they love the game you know but i would say this the new generation is changing you know like the new the new generation they're watching the nfl you know so i think they're gonna do a much better job and have opportunities um in the u.s or even in canada mexico europe you know because uh the old generation in Skyda is kind of opening the doors for them. Coach, what are some things you're doing? I know you got offensive line close to your heart, man. You keep talking about them. Oh, Coach man, Harper's getting it. excited over there. But, uh, you know, what are some things you're doing to, to kind of develop, you know, that, that, that front? Because I'm imagining if you're scoring a lot of points, uh, you're probably doing a, a fantastic job of blocking people. And then on defense, if you're shutting people out, I would imagine your D-line is creating all kinds of havoc for other people's offensive lines. Right. Yeah, I appreciate the words, Coach. I love the offensive line. And uh, in our team, I coach the defense by myself pretty much. Uh, but I would say that we have a coach for um, every unit from the offense but the offensive line just because I cannot leave them. So I coach the defense and I coach the offensive line. Uh, we do have an assistant. He does a great job. He's a former athlete, but uh, I do coach them. And uh, the way that, that I do, like the way that I organize practice is I say that I'll spend the night, for example, because we practice at nights with the defense, I will record everything an offensive line and then I will get home and, and watch you know what's going on there and the assistant coach is going to help me so I make sure that the cameras are there and not in the defensive side I would put together you know like side practices with them I would schedule hey guys you want to work out on Saturday and want to you want to work out on 
on Sundays, some, some technique work, and they're always available. They're a great unit. So uh, we do that type of work. And uh, scheme and technique-wise, technique, technique wise, we used to be an, an inside zone team back in 2018, but I found out that uh, I like the angles from gap schemes more than inside zone, so we became more of a power counter team. All um, right. You like that, right, Coach? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, we, yeah. <laughs> and we start winning, man. Start yeah, winning. That is so true. Uh, so back in 2019, uh, we became more of a GT counter, uh, true power, like uh, 20 personnel power. Uh, we also ran um, 10 personnel power reads. I just love that variation. Uh, our quarterback is the former running back. So in America, he's American, by the way. So uh, he's such a great runner. So we do run a lot of uh, power reads we like that and uh it was really good to us whenever the guys understood the angles you know and learned how to pull and kick out and log you know and rap and all that stuff we were so more successful i would put it this way and i also think that the misdirection part of the offense um fits better you know in our case with the gap schemes than the inside zone schemes that we had coach uh, of all of this uh, i'll say probably the the coolest part to me is is your ability because it seems like here like you said it, it's so institutionalized here and you've got to have a practice with everyone and everyone's got their own coach and everyone's got to practice at the same time and it's a team and you know blah 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 um, I think what I love is, is hearing, okay, you got to get, you know, work done with the offense and defense and you're only one person. And I know you got coaches, but you're wanting to have a hand in both. And so, yes, you guys have practice, but let's film the group that I'm not with so I can watch. And then you've got no problem. Like you said, bringing them up on a Saturday and having your own work with them when it's best for them. Uh, I, I think that takes a lot of, you know, ability to think outside of the box that I, I just, we purely don't hardly ever see. And and we see it a little bit more now this year with COVID. We're starting mm. to dive into that, having separate meetings, having a little bit different things. Um, but in the past, it's always been, we got to all be together and it's not a good practice unless everyone's together. And um, I just love hearing how you've broken that up, how you've found ways to um, win and still get good practices and, and be able to do that when it works for certain guys and when it works for certain position groups. Yeah, I appreciate that, Coach. Uh, this is something that, uh, like in Brazil, and I, I would say in international football, I, I don't think I'm alone, you know, in that because uh, – the guys have jobs, they have classes to take. So I understand that it cannot be uh, in practice. So it's, it's, uh, it's not very common, but it happens that sometimes we have uh, four offensive linemen, for example, you know, so we cannot go um, a run period. So what we do is just, we, have a, we always have a plan A and a plan B for every practice. We will never get there and be surprised uh, because we don't have enough guys to do something. So 
if we cannot have a run period, we are ready to have a, like a half line drill, you know, where everyone gets reps, the double teams happen, we can still base block and, and reach and, and all that. And we can still give the look to the defense, even though it's just half of the offense, but we, we still can give that look um, and, and record individually. You know, we understand that uh, the, the spacing aspect of it will not exist because it's only a half line drill. So sometimes the, the, the running back makes a cutback, you know, to where there's nobody. So right. we don't consider that, but we're, what we're looking at is just uh, footwork, hand placement, angles, you know, assignments. Um, so that's pretty much what we do. And like I said, the guys are pretty open, you know, they understand. And uh, it's like a deal that we make uh, early in the year. I tell them, hey, guys, I understand you have job, uh, jobs. I understand that this is uh, a fun. Sh football should be fun for you. You don't get any money out of it. You know, on the other hand, you, you spend money out of it. So I understand that. So uh, the deal that we can make is whenever we can, we're going to show up. But if we can't, I'm going to let the coaches know in advance, you know, so they can do something uh, in order to make practice better. And uh, this is not a problem for them, coach. They show up in every meeting. They know what to do. They know all the assignments. And uh, the offensive line is just a group that is so close to my heart. We've been, we've been together for three years now. So they understand all the aspects and nuances of our offense. So um, our H-back, Sniffer, he's a former offensive lineman. So... <laughs> Man, we have such a special group here, and I'm so proud of them. That's awesome. I, 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 I can't echo it more. I mean, I was thinking the same thing when, when Coach Harper asked the question. But, like, you know, that, that ability to me to, to be flexible and, and to understand, because, I mean, honestly, it, it really is no different than coaching in high school here. I mean, mm. seriously, our, our kids are spending, you know, a bunch of money to buy the equipment, things like that. They're having to pay for camps. You know, they're having to go out and fundraise and, and sacrifice. I couldn't agree more, man. Like, what's the best way we can make it fun? Let's let's not have them up here for three or four hours. Let's be, you know, right. efficient with their time. And, and if there is going to be times when, hey, coach, I got something going on, you know, you'll see a lot of coaches get bent out of shape. I mean, I know I've changed where it's like, hey, man, this person's ready to go. I don't I don't need to, to you know, have a two or three hour practice or, or get them ready, you know. When you've exactly. had this group together, you, you have Zoom, you have all this technology, you have new ways to be able to teach kids, you know, how to do it. I, re I really don't feel like there's, there's any excuse. I, I shouldn't have to have all that time. I, I should be a more effective teacher. And I think you're finding some cool ways to do that. Yeah. And the, the coolest thing, Coach, is that we are allowed to do that. You know, there's no regulation like time regulation. Uh, like I assume that you guys have in, in high school and college. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, like uh, our quarterback, like I said, he's the former running back and he's an American. So what we've done when he made the transition, uh, we went to a, a, a field close to his house with the running back, you know, like Tony and Cody. We would go to that field and we run, we would run mash uh you know, uh, different types of mesh, you know, like uh, inside zone mesh, power read mesh, and I would give them the stimulus. So I would be the D end, 
we would have uh, the other import. He was a safety, so he would come down with us and he would snap the ball. And uh, I would give them the stimulus and they would respond, you know, uh, depending on the concept. So people don't get why we execute so well. And to be honest, our offense, we, we, we do have a great execution. But every Friday for one and a half or two hours, we, are, we were only working on our footwork and mash with the running back and quarterback. So the O-line, if they did their job, you know, the quarterback and the running back, they would definitely do it. So that's why we, we, we execute well. Like we do have in our scheme, we do have uh, inside zone, power read, power counter, uh, some sort of bash. We do have jet sweep. We do have speed option. We do have toss. Um, you know, and people, they were like, how can you stall all that? You know, but we were... Like I said, every Friday, we were just reading the stimulus and pitching the ball or giving it away or, or pulling the ball or whatever. That's how we do it. Coach, so uh, obviously, like you said, um, the offensive line and defensive line that you have is going to be probably a little bit smaller than, than what you see in the States. Um, mm. what, is your, what is your philosophy then with that group? Are, are you trying to find – as big a kid as you can and trying to develop them athletically or, or would you rather have the the smaller more athletic guys and and try to you know run a scheme that works well for them what is your what is your philosophy with that well wow, that's a great question like in high school guys we don't choose the the the, the players that we we have you know right uh, they just enter the room and that's what we have so uh i would say that it depends back in 2018 we didn't run much uh outside zone or stretch calls because um i felt like they were bigger than the guys that we were facing and they they could move guys around so uh we were more of a inside run team um but like last year like i said we were smaller we were faster you know not because uh we changed the guys but because they got more athletic for example our center he dropped closer to 30 pounds you know from 2018 to 2019 so he was way more athletic and uh, we kind of do what what's needed you know and uh i like the the gap aspect of it because if you understand your angle and your leverage to be honest you don't need that much of strength you know you you just put yourself there and not be uh not get beaten you know but uh you can be a smaller guy and still block someone because you understand where you have to be and where to to apply pressure um so what we've done is to focus on footwork, answering your question, uh, focusing on footwork and the head placement. You know, we always want the, the, your head, I would say, cross and gap schemes. And uh, we do want that play side hand to be uh, really aggressive because I feel like we sometimes we put ourselves in the, in the right place. But if you don't have 
a dominant play side hand. The guy can, can spin on you or can uh, kind of swim over you and, and still make the play. So I make sure that the play side hand is always right and is always like uh, tight, you know, to whatever they got to grab, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Of course it does. That's um, uh, I completely agree with you. I think that there's a lot of thoughts out there that you have to have the big maulers to be able to run gap scheme. And, and obviously that is fun to have those guys, but uh, I'm with you and gap scheme is, you know, kind of predicated off of having a lot of double teams. And so uh, if I have to be able to move somebody and I've got smaller guys, I'd much rather have two guys on one than one small guy on a defense alignment. Right. Yeah, you're 100% right. And uh, there's also things that you can do schematically to, to help that happen, you know, like increasing the surface, like adding a tight end or an H-back and uh, enforcing those uh, um, DBs to be involved with the run fits. They, they don't like uh, tackling so much. and, and Not at all. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I can add an extra surface and, and – and involve them in the run game, that's a, that's a win for us, you know. So uh, I remember in the championship game, we had a four-by-one formation where the, 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 the single guy on the opposite side was an H-back. So our quarterback mm -hmm. was a runner. So we would swing the running back to the four-receiver side, to the three-receiver side, and kind of RPO the linebacker. If he stayed in the box, we would throw because now we have numbers. If he goes or even if he steps or hesitates, the, run, the quarterback is going to take and run behind that extra player, you know, because most oh, yeah. of the time if you have a nub tight end, you're going to have a corner there. So I like that matchup, you know. Like I said, our H-back is a former O-line, so. Coach, that's one of my favorite formations. You're you're speaking my language right now. That is, uh, and like go. you said, you give the you give the four receiver look to the to the field, and they're gonna a lot of times overplay that. And so, um, right. if they do, like you said, you're able to run it. And if they don't, then you swing it out there to one of them, and now you got numbers that way. Exactly, and depending on how they line up, you can still play with that because uh, they they either have to choose to move a corner over to the four receiver side or, or mm -hmm. keep him against the H back. If they keep the corner there, I like the matchup, you know. <laughs> yeah. But if they bring the safety down and move the corner to the three receiver side, we can motion and do different things, and now they have to readjust on the on the go, you know, so I love oh, yeah. that. I love it. Um, so coach, so here's my other question. It, it sounds like, uh, obviously you guys, I think, what'd you say? 700 to, to 100, uh, your last season sounds like you guys are kind of on the forefront, especially in your league. How much are you seeing, uh, your stuff show up, uh, against some of the teams that you're playing? I'm assuming you're kind of setting the, uh, the standard in that league right now, at least the, the last two to three years, how much of the stuff that, that you're doing week one are you seeing other teams try to use against you guys um, in, in the coming weeks? Are you asking uh, how – can you repeat that, please? Are you asking how sure. do we adjust to, to, to what they do? I'm sorry. No. So my question is how much uh, – 
copycatting are you seeing from other teams? Mm. I, I, if I'm if I'm playing you guys and you're killing everybody, then I'm studying you all off season, and and you're changing how I play offense um, mm-hmm. because I want to score a lot of points like you guys are. How much are you mm. guys seeing that? And to me, that's a great honor when you start seeing the whole league shift uh, and change and, and kind of start developing your schemes right yeah so what happened coach is that we had a great 2019 season but we didn't have a season back in 2020 and I don't think we'll have a season this year as well so I don't think that uh, I've seen that before but to your point uh, I guess that teams we'll start doing some of our stuff because uh, we're pretty active on um, the internet, you know, like I try to provide content whenever I can, because um, I understand that I will only be good if my um, rivals or opponents are as good as me, you know, so it doesn't make sense to a team score 600 points and uh, suffer like a hundred, you know, it doesn't make sense. I'm not getting better. You know, it's uh, it's like practice. So (laughs) I want to have even games. I want to, to, to uh, be challenged. So like I said, division one is going to be a totally different world for us. We are not, we've never played there uh, with the team that I'm, I'm, I'm with now. So I guess it's going to be a lot more competitive, um, and uh, we'll probably lose games. I'm, I'm 100% sure of that because they're really good and athletic. But uh, to your point, I like to run uh, Zoom clinics. I like to stay out there and, and um, uh, run um, like online stuff in Portuguese because it's so fine to find, so hard to find content in Portuguese. So I think teams will start using some of this stuff because we promoted that. You know, um, we like helping people and uh, we have no problem with that. That's awesome, coach. Uh, yeah, that's that, that answers my question exactly. That, um, that's great to hear. So uh, what are they? I, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not a I'm not a worldly person. I, I kind of stay in my own bubble. <laughs> what are you what are the, the COVID rules like there for you guys? Have you been able to at least practice? Um, has, has everything kind of been locked down? What is what is this last year as far as football? I know you said you didn't have a season, but mm-hmm. as far as getting with those guys or has it had to be all Zoom meetings, what does football look like this past year? Okay, so 2020, uh, we made a lot of effort trying to make it happen, you know, but once we took COVID seriously, we understood that there was no way to have a season in an amateur league. So what we've done as a coaching staff was to, uh, to uh, run meetings, you know, and, and uh, try to give them mo- get them uh, motivated. But once the competition aspect of it is gone, uh, there's not much mo- motivation, you know. So, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we've done that. So it didn't work very well. Uh, so we ran some different clinics like nutrition clinics, um, recovery clinics. We, do, we did run uh, some extra stuff like uh, clinics to how to change your habits, you know, like to have 
healthy habits and things that they can apply in life and also in the game, you know, because there's more than football to them. So we've done that. Uh, with the team captains, we had, uh, we studied the above the line book from coach Urba Meyer. So uh, it was a guided study. We will read a chapter and uh, sit together and talk about the plan for next year and uh, how do we develop leadership. So it's a great deal. And uh, at the end of it, coach Tim Kite, which is one of the greatest culture guys that I know, he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars now. He closed uh, the last meeting with us, so it was pretty good. Um, and with the coaching staff, like I said, we were trying to run clinics with, you know, American coaches, international coaches who are more um, evolved, you know, than us, you know, try to learn as much as we can in this period, you know, talk to them, uh, develop a network where we can ask questions and, and uh, build relationships and, you know, have a platform where we can go out there and uh, not be lost, you know, completely lost in the football world, understand what's going on with the, the tendencies uh, and the new nuances, let's put it this way. So uh, that's what we've done on 2020 and early 2021. And in 2021, the, the second semester, we're going to launch our own uh, Portuguese courses out there. Uh, the team is going to launch it. I recorded some Portuguese, some courses in Portuguese for offensive linemen and defensive linemen, coaching staff, how to develop a system. And we're going to put it out there next week. So uh, we're excited to do that. That's how we've been using our time, you know, online. Growing the game, man. It's like you said, I, I love what you'd said earlier, you know, heck, hey, we, we want the game to be more competitive. Um, you know, Coach Harper and myself have consistently said that with, with Run the Power. I mean, I know we kind of started it for selfish reasons. You know, we wanted to get better, but at the same time, you know, we want all players to benefit. We want all other coaches to benefit because the better the game of football I think the better it is for, for everybody. It's not about, you know, one or two teams having power. It's about everybody, you mm -hmm. know, playing well and, and let's have a good, good battle on Friday night or Saturday or whenever we do play. Yeah, you're right, coach. And uh, you guys have been doing such a great job. I don't think you have a dimension of how much you impact the game, you know, like in Brazil, all the good coaches know you, we would share uh, in the groups who will share the, the, Whatever we find interesting, we would share in the group. Like we have a uh, WhatsApp group. And uh, sometimes I share stuff. Hey, guys, you should listen to this. And, and other coaches share that. And I'm talking about head coaches. You know, we do have a group of head coaches. So, uh, and there's coaches here. They want to coach in America, for example. And, and in order to coach in America, you got to understand uh, not only the the English, but the football language, you got to understand the schemes, the techniques, uh, the structure, how it's organized, the logistics and all that. So it doesn't make any sense to, to, to hold knowledge for ourselves, because at the end of the day, if there's a Brazilian coaching in America today, tomorrow, there will be two and next week, there will be three. And out of sudden, there's like 100 Brazilian coaches coaching in America and players playing in America. And now we have like a global 
a global uh, network of football, you know, and everyone is getting better and the game is evolving. So there's no place to be selfish in this sport, in my opinion. Well, that's exactly right, coach. Uh, couldn't have said that any better. Uh, I, I'm a, you know, appreciate you, you listening and, and sending our stuff around um, going up on an hour now and don't want to take too much of your time. But uh, last thing I always like to ask guys before we, you know, send you off uh, is, when you're watching other teams' offensive lines and, and you've seen some really good ones and you've been around some really good coaches, when you're watching other teams' offensive lines, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Okay, so the first one that I would say is uh, angles. Um, and I think that understanding angles brings your footwork together, you know, so – Instead of focusing on my first step and second step, I kind of um, try to, to watch their angles. And if they understand the angle aspect and leverage, their foot probably is going to be there. And if it's not, I will coach that, you know, footwork. Um, and the second thing, guys, like I said, uh, is uh, hand placement. I feel like many blocks are lost because of hands. Uh, they're not tight. They're not grabbing. They're not holding, you know, uh, where they're supposed to be. So you can get great leverage. You can get great footwork. But if you don't have a good strike and, and finish with your hands, like I said, they can overlap you. They can uh, cross your face. They can spin. They can swim. There's a, a bunch of techniques that D-line coaches teach to the defensive line whenever they are engaged. To, to destroy that block. So if D-line coaches, they are teaching how to destroy blocks, we should be teaching, you know, how not to be beaten with our hands. So I guess that finishing has to do with hands. So understanding leverage and angles and hand, hand placement are definitely some of the, uh, the things that I'm wa always watching in other teams, offensive linemen. Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. I know, uh, RTP, we, we really appreciate, you know, having you on and, and again, appreciate all the stuff that you're, you're standing for. Cause again, you know, it's, it's a lot more than the game um, and, and anything we can do to, to help grow the game in Brazil. If there's stuff that, that we can be doing, I know coach Harper and myself would, would love to be involved because we're, we're super excited to see, you know, the game of football growing on a worldwide scale. Well, I appreciate you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words and, and, and the invitation. And I think that I speak on behalf of every Brazilian coach. Um, it's so good to have a platform where we can speak and kind of share that there's quality football happening in Brazil and there's coaches here uh, really, really coaching hard, hard and doing their best. Um, so uh, with limited resources. So on behalf of Brazilian community, I appreciate you guys and your work. And certainly I will be continue to share the content that you guys produced. And uh, if you ever need anything from international coaches, please let me know. I'll be glad to help. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast 
Simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.